I'm so excited to have Jim with us here. You've reached the pinnacle in three different industries. So there's so many things I want to cover. Let's right. see how much yeah. we get to. Are we ready? Action! Hello listeners, welcome to C2Scale Specials. 2023 is particularly momentous to Axel as we complete 40 years as a global fund and 15 years here in India. As we celebrate this milestone, we hope to share insights from the firm's shared history with you in this two-part podcast series. We start with a look at the past and how startups and investors evolved over the years and then we move to investing today and why many call 2023 the year of reset in VC. Finally, we look to the future with timeless lessons the next generation of investors must carry forward. For our first episode, I have the privilege of speaking to Axel's co-founder, Jim Schwartz, during his visit to India. Jim has more than 40 years of experience investing, and we talk at length about his journey to founding Axel, the evolution of VC over the decades, and timeless lessons on how to build a long-lasting business. I hope you really enjoy our conversation. I'm so excited to have Jim with us here. So this is your second trip to India? Second trip to India. The earlier one was um, 10, 12 years ago. It was uh, an exploratory trip involving one of the NGOs we support, visiting visiting some of their offices and seeing their work on the ground. Uh, awesome. And uh, that, w- that was a very meaningful trip. And, and this is too in, a, in, another, awesome. in another context. Yes, yeah. the 40th of Axel. Yeah. So there's so many things I want to cover. Let's right. see how much yeah. we get to. You founded right. Axel, right. but mostly we have had founders right. we have chatted with and, and so excited to have yes. you. Yes, thank and, you. Um, yeah. and, and I've had people yeah. who have achieved greatness as a startup founder, right. Right, which you've done that with Axel, yeah. right? So, yeah. but you're, you've achieved the pinnacle in three different areas. So I'm so I want to cover at least a couple of these. Mm-hmm. So you're a world class sailor, mm-hmm. won world world championships there, yes, and you've also yeah. won multiple Academy Awards for your documentaries. Right, it's unbelievable. So it's a real right. honor to have yes, you. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. I just want to go through. You you started from very humble beginnings in yes. the Pittsburgh middle class right. family. Right. Then you started playing football for yeah. high school. Yes. Then yes, went yes. to Harvard yeah. as a football yeah. player. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, you know, I grew up in a mill town, okay. a steel mill town. Okay. Uh, actually, had a foundry and a and a forging. If you yeah. know the steel business, uh, there was a large steel mill a few miles down the river. It was on the Ohio River, uh, south of Pittsburgh. Uh, classic um, uh, small town, uh, uh, working class family, and a little rinky-dink high school. I had a uh, hundred uh, kids in my class, and um, it was a great experience, a great growing up experience. Happy family, and uh, my mother was a housekeeper. Uh, my father was a bus driver and common labor. Uh, they both. Uh, my mother ended up running a laboratory for a well-known doctor, pathologist, and my father ended up managing the uh, the local water department. Um, so, you know, they were very capable. My father didn't graduate from high school. He got kicked out at 10th grade. And wow. <laughs> my mother was uh, uh, the student and, and she finished high school, but uh, no one in my family or immediate family had gone to college. I was an only child. Uh, and uh, I had three other siblings uh, who 
uh, passed away at birth. Uh, in, the, in that era, there was an RNA matching mm. problem, blood matching issue. Anyhow, uh, so I'm a bit of a survivor, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, the high school, I was, um, I had a good education. I, I was good at math. Um, uh, I was, uh, I think, a natural leader. I, I didn't really want to lead, but they elected me president of the class and the captain of the football team, whatever. Hmm? And we, fortunately, we had an extremely good uh, football team that year. It was sort of team of destiny, very, very uh, small team, but excellent. And if if you, um, anybody who's a student of America understands Friday night football, the Friday night football, uh, there's been movies about it and TV series and small towns, Friday night football, the whole town, everything, life revolves around mm -hmm. that. And that's the environment I grew up in, Friday night football. Mm. And it was everything. Awesome. Uh, so, and from that to Howard, how did that happen? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we, uh, people are very important in your life. Mm. Uh, you, you uh, many of us are fortunate to have people intersect us or come into our lives at very important junctures in our life and, and influences. And where they come from, who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, but they show up. And um, I, you know, so I was a good football player. Uh, the America has a system of recruiting uh, for football. Um, we had 80 different colleges in this come visit us in this little high school. So I was being wined and dined by big football yeah. powers. But there was a, a, a man, an individual um, named Colonel Gallup, uh, a retired military colonel. And he'd gone to Harvard and he, the Harvard system in those days was uh, individuals did the recruiting. There was no professional recruiting. It was just alumni who took an active interest. He came to the high school, asked if there, if there were any athletes that could possibly get get through Harvard. Uh, several of us get sent down, and he took an interest in me and made a difference in my life, wow. and uh, sort of worked with me over a period of months. Because in that era. You know, the Ivy Leagues were not known at all. It was, uh, and, and certainly not known in my high school, in my circles. Mm -hmm. So I ended up being, you know, the first ever from my whole area to go to an Ivy League school. Wow. And, uh, I don't know how I made that decision, but I did. That's, and, that's great. And, and that Colonel Gallup had a huge influence on me. So, so I went there. Um, uh, I majored in engineering. Uh, Harvard has a program called Engineering Sciences and Applied Physics, which is a general engineering program. So I did that and, uh, and played football. Played football. Yeah. And from there, you became a, a consultant, banker, and then a VC. Maybe walk through that till you started yeah, Axel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. I, um, you know, graduating from Harvard, everybody it is a tremendous peer pressure to go to graduate school. Um, unusual for America in that era, but at Harvard it was. So I, you know, I was uh, figured, well, I need to go to graduate school, and I decided to go to business school. Uh, I wanted to. Uh, I, I'd, I'd started. I learned about digital computers. Mm -hmm. Most of our coursework was still analog computers, but I'd taken a couple of courses in digital computing, and so I knew that was the future. Which year was this? This is 1964. Okay. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah, early 60s. Okay. Um, 
uh, very early era of gigantic mainframe. Yes. Um, and um, so I, I became enamored with management science and operations research and so forth. That led me to Carnegie Mellon, which was the leading school uh, at the time. Uh, you know, I, in business school, I learned database marketing. I learned artificial intelligence. Uh, I learned operations research. I learned a lot of what is still the foundation of the tech world today. Yes. So it was an, an incredibly good education. Um, and, I, and I had a full uh, scholarship. And so I went there and when I got out, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. The, the venture capital hadn't been coined yet. That yeah. term had not been coined. Uh, entrepreneurship was never in the vocabulary of the business program. Um, so I had no window, no access uh, to the West Coast or entrepreneurship. So, yeah, you look for the best job uh, you can. Uh, and, and I had a strong interest in manufacturing at that point. And so I took a manufacturing assistant of VP manufacturing job. It took me about six months to figure out that's not what I wanted to do. Mm. And, uh, and then I pivoted to consulting because uh, I knew that I would get a broader exposure there to figure it out. And I was had developed a real strong interest in finance in business school and then um, uh, so that flourished in, in the consulting world. Uh, I did, you know, a couple definitive studies reorganizing suppliers to the Ford Motor Company. Um, got me convinced totally I wanted nothing to do with corporate America. And, uh, and at the same time, I did a small company study and then again, another person came into my life socially uh, mm. who was uh, one of the very early venture capitalists, uh, a fellow named Mort Collins, Data Science Ventures. He, he started the first tech-based uh, venture capital firm in America in Princeton, New Jersey, where I was living, and we became social friends. He opened my eyes to that whole world. Um, and I, uh, I thought, you know, I was pretty good at consulting. Uh, venture capital is a lot like consulting, except you get paid a lot more if, you're, if your recommendations get adopted, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, this, is, this is something I'd like to do. He helped me get a job on Wall Street, a small investment bank that was uh, doing tech IP, IPOs and LBOs and all that in the 60s, uh, a firm called Laird. Did that for a few years, and then I uh, got the opportunity to go up to Citicorp and be a, uh, uh, manage a part of that business. In that era, there were four big banks, Citicorp, Morgan Guarantee, which is the predecessor to J.P. Morgan, uh, first of Chicago and Bank of America. They all had large venture capital groups, okay. uh, which were the primary source of capital for the small other small venture firms and, and entrepreneurs. So we saw everything that moved. It was a great formative experience. Did that for five years. And then started uh, a, uh, a new venture firm with a prominent individual investor named Fred Adler. Um, and then uh, Arthur joined us and that became Adler and Company. We did that for five years, had great success, built incredibly successful uh, 
firm in the era. Um, and then the, we just were having difficulties. And so Arthur and I decided to start Axel. Awesome. Yeah. This was a decade into or 10 years into your VC. 12, 12 years, years in, into, yeah, 12 years or so into it, yeah. And and what was the initial uh, vision for starting Axel? And yeah, what so we mean? became, we yeah. were very convinced um, uh, that we, that, that the industry needed a specialized firm. And believe it or not, in that era, there was no specialization even in tech. Hmm. Uh, venture people did everything. They did real estate, they did oil and gas, they did uh, all sorts of businesses. Uh, at Citicorp, we financed, we, start, we started Federal Express, uh, you wow. know. Okay. Um, so there's all sorts of businesses. Hmm. And we became convinced, we, we could see, I mean, I could certainly see you know, our, uh, the communications area and Arthur could see software. And those are, in that area, software was still not an attractive uh, attractive investment area. The, the conventional wisdom was you don't invest in software because the assets leave every day and go home. Mm. And you know you need you need assets to invest. Physical. Physical yeah. assets, right? No, that was the mentality. Yeah. So believe it or not, you know, data communications, telecommunications and software were very niche kind of opportunities in the total spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to concentrate in those two areas. And that was that was the foundation of Axel. Got it, okay. So mm -hmm. you said this, these areas in tech are gonna be the future and let's let's put something. We didn't, you know, I don't think we were brave enough to predict they were gonna be the future, but we knew they were good areas and mm -hmm. we knew that, and, and, and what we concluded very early on uh, which ultimately evolved into the prepared mind, mm -hmm. is that we needed to be focused and disciplined and highly knowledgeable on a particular area, mm -hmm. segment. And, and we picked those two segments because that's what we knew. We'd done some work in, okay. in that area. In those what areas. are the two segments again at that time? Telecommunications, datacom, and software, Got which it. are, which are you know, basically the whole industry today, mm -hmm. a large part of the industry, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. They just, we didn't do it because we predicted that. We weren't that smart. Mm. But uh, we, we knew that they were fertile areas. Okay. Yeah. You referred to prepared mind. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Was it at the inception itself you said? I, I think the yeah. ideas, the concepts, the, yeah. the, the, the motivation yeah. was there at the beginning. Okay. We, we understood that, we, that to be successful, to be really successful, you, you needed to have a deep understanding of an industry. You couldn't just walk into a meeting and assume you're just gonna start making decisions about this industry that you know nothing about. Mm -hmm. So that was axiomatic in, in our thinking. And uh, as, as, as time went on, five years uh, or so, maybe longer into it, it we, we started to think about how to, um, build this, how to institutionalize it, if you will, and, and, and how to capture that thinking. And so, and so we did a lot of think pieces uh, and, and so forth on, on how to institutionalize that and, and, and build a process out of what, what we were doing. And, and uh, so we, we built a lot of process elements around prepared mind. And so that, be, that became a, a branding, a, a, a conceptual catch point, if you will. Got it. To, to let us institutionalize and grow the firm, Got and it. to bring and to bring people into the firm who didn't have any experience whatsoever, it, it gave them a hook 
to to and I think that's still true today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this was early 80s. 83 is when you started yeah. and then 83 to 85. Talk us through that first decade like what right. happened at Axel right. what right. what did you try to Well, 83 yeah. was a a bull market. Yeah. Um a number of our companies went public. Uh, we got we got liquidity. We became, you know, rich sort of. <laughs> uh, we you know we had enough money to pay off all our debts and and, uh, and 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 live a decent life, not a great life, but anyhow, it was you know so it, it was transformative for us. We were free to do what we wanted, right? And. Uh, um, and, and I think that um, it was, uh, and, and then we, so we're, when we raised uh, the first fund, and the first fund was really two funds. It was a, a domestic fund and an international fund. Okay. We, we decided Axel was going to be an international firm on day one. Okay. We, the first part of, uh, first year of organizing everything, Arthur and I spent, tons of time in Europe. We raised a lot of, you know, all of the institutional connections there that the firm has now will all go back to 1983 wow. and, and earlier, really, because when I was at City, I ran the international portfolio. Also, I had guys in London and Geneva and Canada, a um, bunch of big portfolio in Asia um, in, in the 70s. So we thought globally uh, from inception, we organized Axel to be a global form, firm from inception. We didn't know what it was going to be. We didn't have any idea about how to do it, but we knew we wanted international connections. We, we knew we wanted international investors, and we worked hard at that. So there was a uh, there was an Axel Capital and Axel Capital International, two different with two different LPs mm -hmm. groups, but in, investing common commonly, um, and. Um, so the first decade, um, so we went merrily along, we invested, that it turned, that bull market turned rapidly to a, a bear market yeah. and capital became very tight, uh, became hard. We knew that we had to extend the life of the fund in order to uh, have a decent return. And so we, ended, uh, those Axel funds actually ran, in, the investment cycle ran for six years, maybe mm -hmm. seven years even, I, I forget. So we ended up okay. We still ended up top of our class, but it was not a great return. It was you know low double digit IRRs, um, and we we along the way uh, I saw the opportunity to really go deep in the communications area because uh, it, that was really starting to expand. There was a big uh, telecom act. There was a lot of stuff that went on, um, and so we raised a telecom specific fund. Uh, which really cemented our place in that in that sector. That became Axel two, mm -hmm. and then in 1989 we set about to raise Axel three. Uh, that was very hard. Mm. That was the toughest thing that we ever had to do in terms of fundraising. It took us a year, mm. uh, and we raised all of 100 million dollars. Wow! Okay, and, and I I could go into great detail about how we got there, and uh, I mean it was challenging. Mm. It was really challenging. Mm. Uh, so that was that was a real low point in, in the cycle. And mm. then after that, the 90s, early 90s, things started to really click again and the market opened up again. And, and then we got into, you know, the whole 90s was basically a, 
a roaring market. The uh, internet boom, late 90s, like mid Yeah, it was the internet boom. Yeah. Well, the early 90s, it was communication, some software. Late 90s, it became the internet. Networking. Yeah. And internet. yeah. The yeah. the browser, you know, we, we made our, well, the, the Axel.com dates to 91 or 92. Wow. So we knew it. We could see it. We didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. We did UUNet mm -hmm. in 93, I think, somewhere in there. Yeah. Again, we knew it was going to be big, but we didn't know what the heck it was. Mm -hmm. It was a tiny little thing at that point. Uh, the browsers were Netscape, whatever it was, 95. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, then, and, then, and then it all broke loose. So Fund 389 was tough. Uh, when was the four and five? When yeah, did so know four, four and right, five yeah. became great funds. Okay. Uh, four, four was not simple. It was a bit of a challenge. Uh, we had some LP issues. And, there's some people who turned us down who regret it to this day. Uh, I guess four was a great fund mm -hmm. and five was a great fund. Uh, and uh, and then we got the six, which came together instantly and was not a good fund. So this, was, this was a 99 fund. Got it. That was invested in a one year cycle, deployment cycle, mm. which is kiss of death. Mm. Yeah. And we struggled. We, we struggled to get capital back on that one. We finally did, but it took a long, long time. Axel okay. Seven was not so great. It was better, but tough also. Axel uh, Eight um, uh, was an abundance of riches. Uh, we, we raised too much money. We had to cut it back. Lots of organizational challenges and so forth. We went through that was, you know, Axel 7, 8, um, 6 to a degree was sort of the part of the organizational shift from first generation uh, management to the next generation management, second generation management. Uh, we had lots of issues there and, uh, and, and, and it was really challenging economic times too. Mm. Uh, but uh, and then 9 and 10 and the rest is, you know, think things are rolling right along it's it's simple now right yeah thanks to you and all the hard work <laughs> yeah, over right. the decades yeah, yeah. No, every yeah. every era has its challenges yeah yeah mm -hmm. as, as i was hearing like deploying funds faster or having these cycles having like our founders go through it on a regular basis right so they, yeah, yeah the founders see yeah. the founders see it uh you know they're they're in the same marketplace we're in. Yeah. And uh, when we're having trouble raising money, when venture firms are having trouble raising money, they're really having trouble raising yeah. money. Because, yeah. yeah, we, you know, everything, they're, they're one step further down the food chain or up the food chain, however you want to look at it. But, you know, so whatever effects are occurring upstream get amplified by the time it gets to them. Yeah. If you reflect back the first one to two decades, what were some of the foundational things that helped us uh, work through all these things and, yeah. and come on. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, um, I think uh, um, just being just being persistent and and being patient and. And, uh, and and not overreacting and and, and, and and just dealing with it. I mean I think we're you know the world we're in today there's so much with the 24 by 7 media cycle we have all these instant reactions up you feel like you're being yanked mm -hmm. you know every which way and uh, 
we we never really felt that you know mm-hmm. we we could see we were having more trouble rather than less trouble or whatever but or we we knew when things were good and, and so forth but uh we just didn't overreact we, we sort of took it in stride and and arthur and i look you know i talk about um venture capital as a calling and and uh, and so forth and there's a whole I don't know. For me, there's a whole Zen sort of set about about the whole thing, where uh, you're there to help people, you're there to uh, help entrepreneurs, uh, uh, and and to engage in a process and do your best. And you're not there to make money. I, I never thought of the. I've never thought about. I never went into the venture business uh, to make money. I you know I knew it was. I knew there was an upside to it beyond just consulting and or working for a salary. I knew there was, but I had no idea what what it was going to become and and um, and, and the lifestyle that it would ultimately give me. But and it's still to this day when I'm making films or when I'm well, not making films or when I'm backing films and or anything I do, uh, what competitive sailing? I, I tell the guys, look, I. I, I don't care whether we win or lose. Let's, let's just do our best. Let's yeah. just do well. Let's just you know, and I, and I feel that way about the venture business. Uh, you, uh, you you can't approach it as an opportunity to make make a lot of money. Yeah. If that's if that's your mental set, then you're ultimately going to get killed uh, because you're going to react to the wrong things. Yeah. So. When you say it's a calling, yes. like when did you realize it, and what what what's maybe double click on that a little? Yeah, bit. sure. Um, yeah, I think I realized it pretty early. Um, you had to, uh, I, you know, I was, uh, I grew up in, in business with the, there was there's a generation ahead of me, uh, you know the the. You know the the Tom Perkins, the Pitch Johnsons, the um, you know there's a, there's this handful of great venture guys uh, that I grew up with. Uh, they were my mentors, right? I mean, uh, they were the generation ahead of me, and um, they were just great people, yeah. great people to hang out with. And I think some of my fondest memories were. Early days of the Venture Capital Association. I, I mean, I was a young kid when I got formed. I went to the first meetings and all the ones since. And it was just great to hang out. They, they were, you know, we didn't talk about how much money you make or what. You, but you talked about the companies, you talked about the entrepreneurs, you talked about um, the things you were doing, and and uh, it was just it was a band of people. I won't use Band of Brothers because that's a little anachronistic, but <laughs> but it was a Band of Brothers in those days. Yeah, uh, and and uh, you you just enjoyed hanging out with them, yeah. and uh, um, and, and so it was it was more about being part of a of a movement, uh, part of a of a of a place and time, and and knowing that you are working with the best and brightest uh, entrepreneurs of our generation. Uh, 
and we just felt very fortunate to be able to do that. And and uh, and, and I still to this day feel that way. I feel that way about the young filmmakers. You know, I just feel very fortunate to hang out with them. Yeah. And so it's more about being part of it, uh, and 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 and. and that, than it is about making money. So that's how I think about it, as, it. A, as a calling. Got it. And, and as a firm, is there anything culturally or anything that you have thought that has helped us over the years? I hope so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. You know, I, I think some of that, some of that thinking still resides in the firm. I mean, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I think um, of, of all the things that, <laughs> I, I get uh, pleasure from. I mean, I think watching what the firm has become and uh, and and the fact that a lot of the culture is still very much intact uh, really makes me happy. Yeah, being collaborative, working together. Collaborative, working yeah. together, yeah. peer group, uh, no hierarchy, you know, bottoms up. Um, you know, the youngest people have, you know let them let their ideas grow and encourage them. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and putting the founders in the front always, right? So that's yeah. another thing yeah. that yeah. we've seen, learned right. from all of you in the past. Yes, so. yes, 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 yeah. yes. Anything else from that? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah. from the, the companies, uh, yeah. you're putting company founders yeah. in, in the limelight. We're, the venture guys are incidental part of the process. They're a necessary part of the process, an important part of the process, but they're not the driver of the process, yeah. Yeah. right? The yeah. entrepreneurs are. Yeah. And they deserve all the credit for... You know, look, we all know uh, you have tough decisions to make and we give advice. We don't make the decisions. Mm -hmm. If yeah. we're making the decisions, something's wrong. Something's, wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. something's very wrong. Yeah. The entrepreneurs ultimately make the decisions. They make the hard calls yeah, yeah. And, and they should get all the credit. Yes, yeah. absolutely. As a result. Yeah. yeah. I want to switch and talk about your life outside VC in a minute. But before yeah. that, you've seen this for uh 50 years almost, mm, five yeah, decades. Right, right, right. What are some of the things that have stayed or, or some themes through the ages or through the decades? Yeah. And also maybe some lessons for that you've seen founders through the various generations right. for creating long-lasting businesses. Yeah. What are some common yeah. themes? That I think one of the things that sticks with me uh, about long-lasting businesses is um, I've always believed, and I think, the data largely supports it that the the founder founders are really critical to the business long run and there's a high correlation between long run success and presence of the original founders they're not necessarily all ceos or whatever but they're still there and and i and i think that's very true in the tech world and and i always uh, in in managing my projects, uh, and, and uh, I always worked extremely hard to keep founders in there. You, you know, you, you go through these eras where sometimes, sometimes the founders are fantastic managers and executives, and what other sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're visionaries, and um, and they all have skills and attributes and so forth. And, and so you need to make. Um, adjustments from time to time but i've always felt that uh <coughs> keeping the founders involved and and enhancing them uh and compensating for their weaknesses with other people um and so forth is is yields the best long-run results 
Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I feel strongly about that. Got it. Okay. So keeping the founders, working with them, either helping them become a better CEO, or yeah, or, or yeah, helping them helping them uh, improve themselves, or or um, supplementing them. With, I mean, I one of my there's also there's a million management books out there, right? There's one that I discovered very early in my career. Uh, it's called the mismanagement crisis. It's it's by a Israeli psychologist, management consulting psychologist, and he's got his model of of uh, organizational schemes, people schemes, and he talks about there's four attributes that you need in a company. You need entrepreneurship. You you need productivity. You need administration, and the fourth one, which everybody always forgets about, is you need integration. Hmm. So he looks at pe- everybody through those lens, through that lens. Are you an entrepreneur? Or are you an administrator? Or are you a producer? Or are you an integrator? It's the rare individual that's all four, mm. but the successful teams have all four, mm. and that's important. That's key. And then you've seen so many cycles. Any yes. learnings from these cycles of the successful founders? What do right. they? You talked yeah. about persistence is one thing, but any 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 yeah. other common? Well, I think you know the yeah. thing the the thing that's axiomatic and never going to change is there are cycles. There always will be cycles, mm-hmm. and uh, and you you can pray for a good one or not, but you, know, you have to be realistic about the hand you're dealt. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's critical to recognize and be realistic. Uh, be very, very intellectually honest about what, uh, where you are in the cycle and, and, and what you need to do about it. So that has to do with, I mean, we, we saw it during the, uh, uh, during the, the pandemic where people just expanded like crazy. You know, they just lost all, you know, and, and, then, and then we had to have this massive contraction. I mean, people sort of lost sight where we were in the cycle and what was really happening. I mean, some guys got it right, but a lot of people didn't. Um, and um, and so you have to be very, very uh, realistic about that and, um, and, and recognize where you are. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about so you were, you started a VC in mm-hmm. late 30s, early 40s. Axel became a very a well-recognized good brand, couple of decades in, and mm-hmm. and then uh, you then you also started your pa- like two other passion areas. You started spending time on yeah. Um, just talk us through that and and how you went about that. The, the, the reason I'm asking yeah. is there's many founders who have go through this one run and then it's trying to figure out what's next, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. no, it's 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 um, what's next is something that. All people go through, particularly you know, people have been fortunate to be successful in their first career. Um, yeah, books written about it. There's courses about it, and I see guys, you know, wandering around trying to figure it out. Uh, that fortunately it never really happened to me. It, mm-hmm. it just I was always. Uh, I, I think life presents you with certain things, and you need to recognize them and then act on them. And uh, so I've been fortunate enough to uh, um, to have that happen to me. And it, it wasn't some top-down-of-the-mountain insight, you know, from wherever 
uh, to go do this or that, uh, just like it was with the same thing with venture. I sort of found my way into it. Uh, sailing, I found my way into um, because a guy got me out, got me involved in some of the old boats, and, and I looked around. And I said, this is a lot of fun, and, and this is something I could take seriously. And so I went back to school, basic school, and learned and, and got involved with some people who really helped me and, and assembled a team, and we built a winning team, a winning culture overall. So, the, so you the, have a sorry, I know zero about sailing, yes, so I'm going to yeah, ask some yeah. most likely dumb questions. So walk us through the basics of sailing, as in is it yeah. uh, crew, and then how big is the boat, and what's yeah. the kind well, of things? Well, like there's the, all sorts yeah. of different uh, yeah. sizes and so forth, but yeah. The, yeah, the, the, at the pinnacle, it's yeah. America's Cup, and then one level down from America's Cup. Uh, yeah. So those big boats sailing, and and there's others along the way. There's a extreme, the most competitive, successful class is something called TP-52, which is 52-foot boat. Uh, very, very competitive with all the world world's best sailors. Um, and uh, but it's uh, so it's it's about sailing is a really interesting process uh, where. It's, it's a thousand things you need to attend to, and you got to get them all sort of right, and you got to pay a lot of attention to detail, and you have to have a team that does that. And but most importantly, you have to have a team. And and when you're sailing with uh, at that level with big boats, you you have a team anywhere from 12 people, 12, 14 people on a TP52 to 22 people, which is. Um, 72 foot max that I sail now, um, and uh, and you um, you need to go through all the same things that you go through in a company yeah. uh, of of getting the right mix of people, the right mix of skill sets, because on a sailboat, um, sailing boats at that level is a lot like a American football team where every is. 11 positions and everybody has a very specific skill set but uh but they all need to do it well in order to make it work uh, yeah. you can't thing. have a weak link there right? you right? cannot so, have a weak link and yeah. see when you sail at that level uh one mistake maybe you can recover from it maybe uh, you can't two mistakes you're They're done. out and how long and is this uh event they go yeah. they go various lengths some races are an hour, some are two, some are four, some are overnight, okay. some are distance races. Uh, yeah. And uh, they, they all have their unique challenges and, and, and skill sets and, and so forth. So it's, uh, it, 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 it became, so what I realized is it was, it was a lot like uh, building any uh, organization. Uh, and uh, to be successful, you, I, I'll give you an example. We, we won the world championship last year and uh, in in Sardinia, it's held every year in Sardinia. And uh, how many I, teams I, compete for this world championship? Uh, well, in 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 the class that I'm in, we've we've got eight or ten boats, wow, something okay. like that, yeah. and they're all identical, okay, virtually identical. Uh, and my uh, my competitors all decide, a bunch of our competitors started doing lots of crazy things, experimenting with technology, doing different things. And uh, we had to be nice and guys. I, I I really don't want to go down that route. I just, I just want to focus on teamwork, build a good team, and that's what won the day. Wow! You, so, okay. you know, uh, the, the, all the, the fancy gadgets didn't work um, largely, um, and 
So, um, yeah, it's it's fun. Got it. And then uh, talk talk a little bit about the documentaries. Yeah. So again, then documentaries yeah. as a as a, a a pursuit, an activity, a hobby. It's not a business because yeah. it, it doesn't make money. Yeah. You, you you can you can uh, you you can tread water with money, but but it's you can't really make money in the business in the documentary world. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, it, again, that's a calling. You're doing it to have an impact, to have an impact on the world, on on a certain segment of the world. So we got involved with the Sundance Film Festival very early on in the, in the 80s, and and uh, documentaries weren't really. A feature then. Uh, documentaries started to happen in the late 90s as a, as a real activity, and we were involved and got, got involved uh, very, very closely with that group. Uh, because I, what I learned was the documentary filmmakers are virtually carbon copies of the tech entrepreneurs. They're all, they're, they're young, passionate, uh, driven, consumed. Personalities mm -hmm. uh, they're just, and, they're, and they're great people, and and I was just uh, very attracted to that, and I, I saw what they were doing, what they were trying to do, and, and over time we got more involved with a group of them and more of them, and then we decided to, we we had some success with that, um, and we decided to try to institutionalize that in a way to to. to uh, uh, to, to do it successfully, and so rather than do a fund, or we, I decided to create an. What, I took a chapter out of our venture world, um, and uh, created an angel group. Really, so it's a very strong, well-functioning angel group. Is, is the way Impact works. That's Impact and Partners. That's, that that became Impact Partners, uh, which we formed in two thousand seven. Okay, um, and. Um, so we've now made close to 150 films, wow. and okay. uh, some of them with notable success. Uh, most of them pretty effective. And uh, and I what I what, and, and the approach we've taken is much like the venture world, where we we add value. Obviously, with finance, we add value with marketing, with distribution, with the skill set. In once once the film's produced we're, mm. we're not we're not involved with the content of the film we we have veto rights on distribution and business a aspects of it whatever but the content and the film whatever the filmmakers want to do that's that's they just same thing in the tech world we don't build the product you yeah. know the, the yeah, entrepreneur builds the product very similar yeah. so and you get involved in all the ancillary that's what producers do they get involved in all of the you know, producers are like active directors yeah. uh, they get involved in all of the business side of you know recruiting people recruiting talent uh, making some key decisions about uh, stuff uh, providing financing distribution marketing aftermarket support Oscar campaign support, all that stuff. Wow. Um, and so that's very much like the venture business. Wow. Okay. Very, very, very similar. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you've won multiple Oscars and yes. you've been yeah. involved with many movies. Yes. But for the audience listening, maybe any recommendations or where they should start the first few movies on the, in the documentary world? That yeah, well, I, again, watched. I think it's, uh, yeah. again, very much like the venture world. 
don't just go out and do <laughs> the random ones the front some friend brings you you know yeah uh get get involved with a group of people who are been at it a while and, yeah and, and, and understand um understand the the business and understand uh what's good and what's not so good and i mean it's again very similar to the venture business we uh, at impact we review 1200 projects a year we pick five mm. right sundance sundance has uh, ten thousand submissions those are the films that think they're worthy enough to submit to Sundance. Wow. They're, they're, uh, there's multiples of 10,000 that are made every year. There's mm. 10,000 every year. You know, uh, 150 get selected. Um, maybe five or 10 get bought. Um, five, wow. 10, 20 get bought and, and get ultimate distribution. So it's a very rarefied environment to, again, like the, there's only so many Googles and Facebooks and yeah. whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't grow on trees, <laughs> yeah. they're very rare. Yeah. And consider yourself extremely blessed if you happen to intersect one yeah. of them, yeah, right? That's, and and yeah. it's the same thing with, with the documentary film business. So, <laughs> so you, you need to take your time, yeah. learn, learn, uh, hang out with some people who have done it before. Yeah, yeah I've seen advice. a couple of eye carers was eye opening <laughs> for me. Like you've right. done so many of them. Yes. Any, for people who want to watch, any recommendations? So uh, Icarus, yeah. Icarus is an interesting right. yeah. story because again, yeah. it's it parallels out of the venture business. I mean, yeah. it was if you've watched the film, you see yeah. it takes a radical pivot, right? Well, it was a classic business pivot. It was a classic startup that didn't work yeah. and we decided to double down because we saw a new avenue to go pursue yeah. uh which was which was the doping which was the russian angle initially uh, it was different. initially it was yeah. just going to be do about doping and in, in the impact of doping on an individual as he oh. as he the, yeah. the original premise was um you know i'm a good biker mm. um i'm going to uh go do this event and as a, I'm going to train hard and do my very best at this event, and then I'm going to spend a year doping mm. and do the event again mm. and see what the delta is. Yeah. That was the basic film yeah. premise, which didn't work mm. for a variety of reasons. But in the process, we uncovered this whole Russian doping saga. So, wow! That's so we had to pivot, uh, yeah. double down with the financing, and take it off in another direction with in a very high risk environment. Got it. Yeah. Uh, maybe last question. Then yeah. I have a few rapid fire which I want to go mm. through as well. Mm. So you you've reached the pinnacle in three different industries. Any common, like how do you learn? How do you grow in these? Any any common things themes that have helped you? you know, I, I think it goes back to the prepared mind. You know, get smart about the whatever you're doing. Okay. Uh, figure out who the very best people are. Uh, watch what they're doing. Um, and, 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 and construct, a, uh, intersect it with a group of people, not just yourself, but with a group of su supporting cast, if you will, uh, that, uh, that helps you succeed. So, wow. it's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Let's do the rapid fire. Just yeah, a few sure. sh uh, short whatever comes to your. Yeah. So, what is something that most people don't know about you? Mm. Yeah, uh, most people. Well, growing up in high school, I wanted to be a race car driver. Oh. I, I, I wanted to be the. Uh, I wanted to be the first. No one, no American had won a, a Grand Prix event at that point, and I wanted to be the first American to win a Grand Prix. 
Uh, and I, I was very involved with a, a bunch of uh, uh, things uh, through high school. And, uh, anyhow, but that that you that, liked that racing work cars, and then you went to racing <laughs> yeah, boats. Okay. Exactly. Uh, what are some of the values you live by? Yeah, uh, I I think try to. Uh, I, I'm very comfortable in my own skin. I never try to be someone that I'm not. Um, you know, um, I think family is more important than anything. Mm-hmm. And so I had always had a rule in the office uh, that if any one of my family called, drop everything and let, find me, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I spend uh, as much time with my family as I can. And my family is still very, very important to me. Um, I, you know, I think uh, you have integrity, you know, the, the things you grow up with your mother tells you, you know, keep, keep your commitment, keep your word, have integrity and so forth. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's important. Awesome. If you had to change something in the VC part of your life, mm-hmm. if you had to redo anything. Yeah, you know, people ask me that question. I, you know, this, you know, look, I, I, I wish I, you know, I, I sometimes think, boy, it wouldn't have been great if I'd done Cisco, you know, because mm-hmm. that was that was my domain, and I didn't do Cisco. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, but I, I, fine, you know, it, it's it's um, no, it, it it's I wouldn't want to have a do over. Okay. Um, I'm very happy with my life, and I'm very happy with the way it's played out. So I really wouldn't change anything. Awesome. Did you have a backup plan if Axel didn't work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had I always <laughs> told this story always in, in when we were raising our first fund. You know, I, I grew up uh, in, in this small town and my cousin had a gas station and uh, I was his assistant. And uh, I started at age 11 uh, working in the gas station, being a mechanic uh, and so forth. So I always, I always knew I could fall back to that. <laughs> I was never worried. Yeah. Um, three things you look for in a founder. Yeah, I think that's um, I, I th- the number one thing to me is uh, openness, and 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 um, by openness I mean um, you know, founders have to be incredibly persistent and focused and driven. Um, and they have to lead, by, and, uh, but at the same time, they have to listen. Mm. Uh, they have to simultaneously listen and be open to hearing what's going on around them mm. and, 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 and being able to adjust. Uh, so, uh, I, and I think along with that comes intellectual honesty. I think it's just, and particularly in today's world where you wonder if anybody's honest, you know. Um, it's, uh, I, I hope we get through this period. Um, and uh, so intellectual honesty is, uh, is incre- in, in, in incredibly important. Uh, those, those things okay. I look for. And, um, so we talked about founders. Anything yeah. you look for in team members? Yeah, team members, uh, same attributes, but in in addition, um, you know, character is is number one on my list. Uh, I always uh, try to understand uh, the the character of the person, and and I think that it's um, it's hard to get at that, and 
and, uh, and and if you do make a mistake, you got to act on it quickly and and so forth. But uh, character and judgment and um, just doing the right thing is 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 really really important. I, I think it, it's also very important that the our you know our part our, you know our team members are. Our investors have to be incredibly openly curious and consummately curious and open to new things. And you have to learn to be ultimately long run successful in the venture business. You need to learn to be a serial expert. Hmm. You have to be an expert to start. And so young people, I said, the first thing you need to do is, you know, really, really go deep on something. Know it cold. Right. Hmm. But then as you grow and as time goes on, things change. You need to be able to be a serial expert. And then, and then finally, I think it's really important to have fun yeah. and, and to be to enjoy the people you work with. Yeah. And if you don't enjoy the people you work with, that's not a good thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Maybe let's close with one hmm. piece of advice for the audience, the founders listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, um, I come back to my thoughts on openness and, and, and listening and, and, uh, and, and it's not necessary to be things, be, be, be uh, all things, all people. You know, learn learn to um, uh, learn learn to trust. Trust is an incredibly important concept, and uh, so people talk about letting go. You know, letting go is, is really all about trust. You know, and, and, and having the confidence in your teammates or subordinates or whatever to, you know. To do to do the right thing and ha and have confidence in them and uh, and the other thing I, I think that's in today's global world um, for me it, it somebody once said and it's I find absolutely right um, think globally act locally hmm. and and I think that's the foundation of Excel's global practice really it, and you know we adopted that premise from day one. Hmm. And we never tried to um, make decisions from a distance. You know, we, we got good people um, and, and and trusted them and allowed them to make their own decisions within an overall thinking globally context. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 40 years. Uh, yes, we are all 40, here. Yeah, thanks right. to you and Arthur starting well, it. Thanks to you guys years for in being so successful here. You know, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's just an incredible uh, joy to see this and see the energy here. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very I've much. I've always been enamored by the the energy of, of the of the Indian entrepreneurs. You know, it's, awesome. it's unique. Awesome. And uh, you see it here uh, everywhere you look. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, great. Real pleasure. That was a fascinating conversation. I'm glad we had the opportunity to share it with you. If you'd like to know more about Axel and how we are likely to see the startup ecosystem evolve from here on, tune into the next episode on the series.